Verity Weaver contains strong language that may not be suitable for younger listeners. Once upon a time, in an ordinary room with everything except a way out, three people woke up with no memories of their lives, no sense of identity, and no knowledge of where this room was or what it might be for. Before they had a chance to react or speculate, the three people were given a task, work together and become the architects of a utopia. Only then could they leave the room. Only then could they discover who they really were. The people complained. How could they be expected to design a political order when they didn't even know their own names? But they soon realized that their anonymity wasn't a hindrance. It was the whole point. Nobody in the room had an unfair bargaining position over anybody else. They all had nothing to gain and everything to lose. Many have speculated over the years about what conclusions such people might reach, what society would be the product of such an experiment. On another world, in another time, a philosopher would term the framework a veil of ignorance, and it would become a story, a thought experiment, an academic concept, but never a reality. Except on one world. Attention! You have been summoned and placed within a state-approved justice selection device. What the hell is a justice selection device? Your memories, except semantic knowledge of terminology and basic concepts, have all been temporarily wiped and will be restored to you at the end of the session. Until then, you will have no knowledge of your or another party's life, their social status, age, gender, native endowments, preferences, or beliefs. This has been done with your full consent. During the session, you will be presented with a list containing conceptions of political justice from different traditions and potential forms of government. By the end of the session, you must agree on a conception of justice. The final goal of your discussion is to design a world. Did, uh, did they just say what I think they just said? Hypothetically, though, they mean a hypothetical world. You will be designing a world which you are then to occupy. Each of you is intimately involved in this world and unable to leave it. The ramifications of your choice will affect you. None of you know who you are in this world or what position you occupy. Once the decision is made, you will sign a contract agreeing to exist in the world you have created but this contract will not guarantee what your role in that world will be. The three representatives examined different conceptions of justice. So what you're saying is this, if we all start with the same liberties, the same rights and the same opportunities, then provided those rights were respected, the system would keep working, staying just and fair. I'm not saying anything. That seems to be the view. Yes, I don't think that would be enough. Property might become concentrated over time. People might inherit more than others. All that could be done within the framework, surely. You'd have to presuppose that people were reasonable. And we know nothing about people, ourselves included. Surely, surely whatever society we create will make the people inside it. In the sense that it will, well, foster certain traits in them and neglect others. You make an aggressive society, it'll give you aggressive people. That's true. So, do we like this, generally, as a framework? The whole equal basic liberties thing. We're liking that. I'd say so. Yeah. As the discussion moved on, the representatives reached an impasse. They could not agree on a moral authority, on a set of absolute goods or principles, but as equally vulnerable to the outcome, they all agreed on one thing. The least well-off must be protected. The basic structure of society must leave no one out. Political power must be shared by all citizens as free, equal, and uncoerced. There must be opportunities for all. It wasn't enough to found a state upon, but it was a start. And it was what the architects were always going to say. Have you made your decision? Yes. Do we get to find out who we are? Why we agreed to this? Eventually. But the events leading to your arrival in this room are convoluted and difficult. And the story isn't about any of you. It's about a woman called Verity Weaver. A woman who made a choice and a sacrifice. 
This is her story, and it's time someone told it. Yes, computer, I am aware of that. But Dr. Vaughn said that if we follow the intergalactic superhighway, we won't need to use the fuel. We just need to get out of Epistemia's radius. Then I promise I'll stop off somewhere and find some fuel. This course of action would be strongly advised. I've got you. You know, if I didn't know better, I'd say you were developing a bit of an attitude. I am constantly developing my language banks by processing the speech patterns of my human pilots. So you're saying the sass is on me? <laughs> yeah. We've just got to wait, computer. Dr. Vaughn said she'd call me. She just didn't say when. Verity. Yeah? What's up? I observed that you have spent several hours reading over my flight logs. I am able to answer any queries if you have them, or run a search for any key terms for a more efficient- Don't worry about it, computer. I really am just reading. There's not a huge amount of reading material on this ship. We've been moving for three weeks now, and I've read all the books Fable and Nur Sabella kept for whatever it was they kept them for. I thought the flight logs might entertain me. You were interested in the journeys of the last pilot? I was, yeah. Some of them were journeys I went on with her, in a way. Others were places I'd never even heard of. There's something oddly tragic about seeing Adasha listed as the final destination on the list. You must have really thought you were done for when you started plummeting through my atmosphere. The odds of a successful self-repair were extremely low. Fable must have thought she was done for, too. <sighs> Computer, I'm moping. There's been nothing from Dr. Vaughn, and it's a long way home. Do you have any form of entertainment that I haven't tried yet? There are five audio dramas stored in the archives. Audio dramas? How would that even work? Actually, don't tell me. I'll save those for when I'm really bored. Uh, I need something to liven my spirits. There is music. Such as? <laughs> now that's more like it. Add the sage to the skillet until crisp. Are you sure this recipe is going to work? I'm nearly out of squash, and surely most of the vegetables will be past their best. It's been over a month now. I have been keeping them in optimal conditions. Well, that's good. The longer we can hold off the frozen meals for, the better. You fear that you will exhaust the supplies? No, I just like cooking. Message received. Signal weak. Wait, what? Verity, are you receiving me? Yes! Yes, I am, Professor Vaughn. Can you hear me? I've been going mad in here. Dr. Vaughn, please, I can't bear to be called Professor when the discovery that got me promoted was what killed your friend. I'm sorry, it took me so long to get a fix on your ship, and I was worried about the university monitoring communications, you know, in the immediate aftermath. Oh, yeah, how is everything? We've had all the funerals. Now we're just dishing nootropics out like there's no tomorrow, getting people through the grief. Of course. There's a lot to discuss, Verity, but you've got problems coming your way fast. I know I told you to maintain your inertial path, but you're going to need to change your trajectory and accelerate as fast as you can away from the nearest source of gravity. Why? I'm not even sure I have the fuel to do that. You need to use every last scrap of fuel you've got. There's a rogue black hole coming your way. There's a what? I don't even know what that is. What's the difference between that and a normal black hole? A rogue black hole is what you get when two black holes merge together at different rotational speeds. They're big, they're fast, and they're nasty. This one's heading in your direction at 2,400 miles per second, roughly. Great. You need to make it at least past the event horizon, and ideally a lot further away. Space always looks so calm when you're down on Earth, but it really isn't, is it? Everything looks calm from far away. <laughs> Sounds like something Fable would have said. 
Okay, ship, we need to turn around. I have received a map of the black hole's path from Dr. Vaughn. The acceleration required will use 98% of my remaining I don't fuel. care. It's that or we get crushed to the size of a pea. You have my instruction. And I shall comply. Speed limit exceeded. Do you always have to say that? Uh, is it not obvious to you that I can feel the acceleration too? Warning, speed limit exceeded. Are you going to carry on like that all day because I will mute you? Miriam, you're about to pass the asteroid belt. Dr. Vaughn, you're breaking up. You're about to pass the asteroid belt. I can't hear you. You're about to. <sighs> Whatever she was going to tell me, I'm sure I'll find out soon. Warning, asteroid bomb approaching. And there it goes. Shit. Raising the defenses will leave only 0.3% of my power intact. It's an asteroid belt. Just do what you gotta do. Raising ship defenses. Likelihood of survival, 35%. Oh, maybe I have to live your pleasurable. Ah! Ship exterior damaged. Diverting remaining power. Come on, come on. Warning, ship exterior damaged. Alteration of trajectory, successful. Ship exterior damaged. Fuel supply critical. Do you have enough to land us on the nearest world? Data irretrievable. Unknown. Central processors failing. Autopilot failing. System interface deactivating. Bye then. Um, right. I'm not sure what to do now. I suppose you've just switched me to manual. What would Dr. Vaughn want me to do? What would the computer recommend? What would Fable do? <sighs> I think they'd all say the same. You can't drift forever. Let's land this thing on the nearest world. As I descend through this desolate rock's lower atmosphere, I start to wonder whether it could sustain any life at all. Once, a long time ago, I think it did. I can see structures jutting out of the barren surfaces, structures too regimented to be organic. This was, I think, a civilization. Now it's barely an imitation of one, but maybe a stranger would have said the same about Adasha. Maybe Fable Ashwood did. What on earth? to work on those manual landings. Ugh. Computer? Computer? No, I suppose not. Uh, the thing is, computer, I know you're intelligent, and I know you were working really damned hard to get me through everything back there. So I can only assume that you brought me to this planet for a reason, which means I think there might be resilinium here, and there's only one way to find out. But is it even safe to breathe the air? In a universe as cruel as this one, I think it's safest to assume not. Ah, if ever there were a beauty to widespread devastation, planet, you've certainly captured it. But maybe there's just something poetic about the last vestiges of a culture standing guard over mass graves. It's... it's you! Oh! Hello. It's, oh, it's, but it really is. It really is. Oh, today's the day. It does certainly seem to be. But that's, that's the legendary vessel. Uh, well, I suppose, in a way, it's... Oh, and that must mean it, that it's, that, that you're... Well... You are. You really are. Yeah. You're... Yep, I am. You're Fable Ashwood. Yes, I suppose I would be, wouldn't I? <clears throat> That's me, Fable Ashwood, spirited adventurous, hopelessly charismatic hero, etc., etc. You came to our world many years ago, at the very beginning of the catastrophe. Yes, that definitely sounds like me. I wasn't there at the time, but I heard the stories. The last off-worlder ever to visit Absence. Absence? Not the name you would have known it by, 
but I call it that now. More appropriate, me. The last one left. The last one? What happened to the rest? War. Chaos. Hunger. Is the atmosphere breathable? Who knows? Probably not. I could have your helmet. A nice try. Uh, sorry, what was your name? Al. Oh, I see. Because you're Al that's left? No, that really is my name. Oh, sorry. Insensitive of me. No need for sensitivity anymore. Come with me. I'll show you my bunker. Why did you return? Well, why did I come here in the first place? Presumably because this planet is a source of resilinium, if I uh, recall correctly. Yes. So you have returned to refuel once more? If there's any left. There's plenty down in the mines. But you must rest first. Then I will show you to the mines. You're sure you're the only person left? Not that. Never sure. How long have you been living on your own like this? Many months. This is more of a cabin than a bunker, no? Functionally a bunker. I have food, see? It'll be cold now. <laughs> I don't mean to be a demanding guest, but were you going to spare any? There's a lot of cans in here. And a lot of years left. No more manufacturers. Find your own food. Fair. <clears throat> what happened, Al? I've probably forgotten a lot of the original visit. I, I see a lot of worlds, you see. One day, everything was normal. Then, the day of the vote, all of us, all one, becoming two, the open sky people and the closed sky people. The sky made so much noise, gave us so much trouble. They were always passing travellers crashing on our land, probes from other worlds sent to gather information, other races wanting to learn about us, or communicate with us. Closed sky people had enough. So you literally closed the sky? In force field, huge. Trapping us, as if in a snow globe. The sky-like glass chose to turn our backs on the stars, but didn't realise what they gave us. So many minerals in the meteors, so many assistance packages from other worlds, starlight. All cut off. You chose to shut yourself off from the universe, but didn't realise how much the universe had been giving you. Then there were more talks. Some wanted to reopen the sky, smash the snow globe. Then, the open skies fought the closed skies, war on top of war, hatred. All the time, running out of food, running out of power, I stayed away from the war, stayed away from the fighting. I gathered supplies. And what did you vote, the first time round? Open sky or closed sky? <laughs> <laughs> you, you have rested now. I will take you to the mine. I shouldn't complain. A lot of people like a man who moves fast. You could do with a bit of structure down here. An actual lift would be a start. And watch out. A lot of the ground is unstable. Here it is. Good rock. Resilinium rock. I think you're right. Chisel? Here. Watch and learn, Al. And in a cruel twist of fate, here I am on this fossil of a planet, 30 foot underground, chisel in hand, sweat on my brow, mining. It should be bringing back traumatic memories, I suppose, but I can't help but be amused by the whole situation. Besides, soon I'll be taking off again, heading off to... well, that's the question. When I left Epistemia, I had a destination in mind. And I think the universe is telling me that whatever I do, however far I run, home is where I'll always be headed. But I don't know if I'm ready. Not yet. <sighs> that should be enough. Thanks for all your help, Al. I couldn't have done this without... Al? Where have you gone? I thought... Ugh. You thought I'd forgotten, Fable. You thought you'd got away with it, but now... 
Now you'll learn what responsibility really means. Al? Oh. Al, what the hell have you done? You can't keep me in a cell. Oh. It's a cage, actually. They use this for wild animals in the zoos. I fitted it down here several months back. Oh, Fable. You have no idea how long I've been planning this for. What? And you really fell for it, the whole scatterbrain act. The harmless lunatic at the end of the world. You thought I was mad. I knew, you see, that if I showed my hand, you'd end up tricking me. I had to play the fool if I was going to lure you down here. But the rock? Oh, the Resolonium. It is all real. Just as it was the first time you came. Even I couldn't have faked that. But you're never going to get your hands on it. Did you really think I'd just hand over my most valuable resource? I knew that you'd be back eventually. And now I know that the sky has reopened itself, that the defences have deteriorated. I can leave in your ship. But why? What have I done? You really don't know. You really don't remember coming to this world after the vote, as we all realised the mistake we made. And you really don't remember what you told us. Well, I remember. It was written down in all the records. It's time you lot took responsibility for your decisions. What happens to this planet now is your own fault. I can protect you from outside invaders, but I can't and won't protect you from your own stupidity. You need to face the consequences of your complacency. Oh shit. I really hope the context makes a difference. That does not sound good. Those were your words, Fable Ashwood. <laughs> yes, well, that's the thing. I sort of lied to you. I'm not Fable Ashwood. I just stole her ship. Since I thought you saw her as a folk hero, I decided just to play along. But my name's Verity. Uh, I'm nothing to do with Fable, and frankly, I'm a little shocked by her behavior. <laughs> brilliant! Oh, that is brilliant! They said you could reel off a yarn, but the old I was someone else the whole time stick. You thought I'd believe that. I'm saying it because it's true. Please, I'm sorry for how Fable handled your situation, but I was nothing to do with it. And I swear, I'd have done more. And I suppose you were just going to take me with you today, right? You definitely weren't planning on tricking me at the last minute, sending me back to the bunker for supplies, and then leaving without me. No! God, no, I couldn't. You're a terrible liar, Fable. You disappoint me. I'd almost hoped for a debate. Well, if you're not going to play fair, then I might as well go. I've summoned the wild dogs over, and they'll probably be able to squeeze through the bars. So I'm afraid there's a grisly end in store for you. But, you see, the beauty of it is it's all within the parameters of your philosophy. You promoted working within the framework of the law, and now I am the law. As the last man standing, I am Absence's justice. And I sentence you to death, Fable Ashwood, for gross criminal negligence. Al! I'm not interested. Al, seriously, watch out. You're very close to the edge there. Don't step Whatever back. game, you're trying to... Come on, you can't be that strong, surely. Ugh. Oh, this is really not my day. <sighs> Realistically, this is likely to be it for me. I could have gone out with a bit more dignity, all things considered. Savaged to death by wild dog in a dusty old mine on a planet called Absence isn't the death I'd hoped for when I set out to see the stars, but... I suppose Fable had hoped for better than being dragged under the ice by mechanical insects designed to deliver nootropics into the neural pathways of miners. Life isn't generous to freelancers. Of course, there is one potential way out of this. One last targeted strike at the bars of this cage. If I manage to break out and do it fast, I might just stand a chance of getting out. But if I fail, I know you're going to see it as an act of hostility and charge straight at me. Let's be honest, you're hungry, and I'm going to be tonight's dinner either way. Might as well go down fighting. I'm 
sorry. I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you, but you'd have made mincemeat of me if I hadn't. You've still got a heartbeat. I wonder. It took several trips from the mine to the ship, transporting all the resilinium, and then lastly, the dog. But, uh, damn it, I'd seen a man die today, and I had no intention of letting a wounded creature go the same way because I'd attacked it. And now it's time to leave absence. I can't say I'll be sorry to go. And I can't say it won't play on my mind even after I've left. I can't say the questions won't keep on coming. Was he right? Was it your fault? I wish I could believe otherwise, Fable, but I never knew the real you. I saw one possibility, but who knows what you really became. We're all capable of the most inspiring acts of virtue and the most deplorable acts of vice. That's something I think you told me once, and maybe it was because you knew. Maybe a part of you, the version of you in the experience machine, saw a reflection of this life. Your real life. Maybe it scared her. You were my hero. You always were, and you always will be, but what were you to other people? What were you to the people who got on the wrong side of you? Maybe it's for the best that I'll never know, but that won't stop me wondering. Systems back online. Glad you have you back, computer. I observe that you have functioned efficiently in my absence. Damn right. But I do need your assistance. We've got a first aid kit on board, right? And you've got medical advice in your databanks? Once we've taken off, there's something I really need to do. It is not advised to keep pets on board. And I'm sure Fable took that rule to heart, but I don't think I necessarily share her idea of responsibility. This creature is wounded, and its only crime was hunger. God knows I'd have eaten it if we'd run out of food before arriving on absence. Input noted. I hope that's not the first sign of a strop. Let's go, computer. You did what? Calm down. And what are you eating? A sandwich. Is that allowed? Yes, but... Oh, Verity, you can't keep a wild animal on a ship that small. What happens when you run out of sedatives? Okay, you wanted to find it a new world, right? Somewhere with clean air and plenty of food. It's just the principle. If I can't even save one dog, what's the point in any of this? No, it's fine. I understand. I'm just checking your route. In two days' time, you'll reach another abandoned planet. Definitely empty this time? A little over 200 years ago, it was the People's Republic of New Eridani. Just a small, unadvanced civilization that hadn't even reached the point of first contact. Lots of potential, my academic forefathers thought. But an asteroid soon saw to that. Being so close to the asteroid belt, there was always a risk of a catastrophe. Poor sods. But the climate's back to normal now? It certainly seems to be. I'd advise you to take a break there anyway. Time to think. Gotcha. New Eridani. What a luscious planet. Blue skies and bluer seas for miles on end. Clear enough to make out the curvature of the planet's surface. Descending further, I can see a collection of mountainous green islands forming a small archipelago below. Undisturbed, untainted beaches of white sand. Have I found the perfect world? You know, I think this is the first beach I've ever been on, even in the experience machine. Oh, the smell, the sea salt in the air, the way your feet sink into the sand. Ah, I wonder how warm the water is. Mmm, just right. Ah. This place sure did recover quickly from catastrophe. Uh, hello. I didn't realize this was a public beach. Are you made entirely of clockwork? That's amazing. And uh, definitely not organic. Given the humanoid shape, I'm guessing you were created by a humanoid. Hey, come back. Oh wait, you can't go in there. That's my ship. Hey, stop. Oh great, of course there's three of you. That's not fair. Let me through. Ah, ow, let go. You, you can't take that. That's my ship. Crap.
Well? We are sorry for the intrusion. Your ship computer banks were absorbed by our group mind so that we could process your language. We hope this has been successful. Your ship is unaffected, but we apologize for any alarm. No, it's fine. But I do have one question, if you don't mind. Of course. Who the hell are you? We are the Clockworkers. How should we address you? Just Verity, thanks. You are most welcome here, Verity. And where is here? Why, this is the Clockwork Republic of New Eridani. Follow, if you please, and you will soon understand. Can I leave my ship here? Your ship will be perfectly safe anywhere on this island, Verity. Come. The city is this way. I didn't see a city on the way down. The city is small, and the canopies are designed to cover it from view. Visitors are not discouraged, however. Security? Space pirates are not renowned for their delicate touch, and protecting the city is our primary objective. But I don't understand. New Eridani was wiped out. Professor Von, my friend, sent over the reports. The catastrophe brought New Eridani's Anthropocene to an abrupt end, but the people were not ignorant to the dangers posed by the asteroid belt. With no hope of escape or shelter, they created a safeguard in case any collision proved fatal. The Clockworker Program. Basic droids containing advanced silicon chips were buried at strategic points beneath the planet's crust in hibernation. When the impact event occurred, the droids were woken from hibernation and, when safe, dug their way up to the planet's surface. Impressive effort, but why? The people were all dead. The People's Republic of New Eridani regularly transmitted information packs to the droids containing recent scientific, political, cultural, and artistic developments. All information about New Eridani, including a complete history of the civilization and every single citizen within it, was preserved after the catastrophe. I get it. This isn't a civilization. It's an epitaph. Not quite. Welcome to the city. It's beautiful. It really is quite unlike anything I've ever seen. And you did this? The beauty of the clockworkers is that the droids were able to assemble us rapidly using metals extracted from the planet's crust. Once our numbers increased, we were able to construct a city based on the blueprints we were supplied by the people of New Eridani. But I still don't understand. What's it all for? Follow. Whoa. The new Eridani Museum. You will have plenty of time to inspect the exhibits after the greeting session. Please, through here. Welcome, traveler to the Clockwork Republic of New Eridani. If you are watching this video, then I, along with my people, have perished in one of this world's catastrophes. But know that we die in the knowledge that our world and our culture lives on. The Clockwork Republic is not merely a tribute to the great work of our Republic. It is a continuation of it. Scientific research continues Art continues, mathematics and philosophy continue, in and through the clockworkers. Think about what makes us special as living creatures. We exist as part of a wider system. We are defined by our interpersonal relationships, driven by our social obligations. This is true also of the clockworkers and the society we have prepared for them. The clockworkers, like us, are programmed to survive. Their primary objective is to preserve the collected knowledge of new Eridani, whatever the cost. Just as our primary objective, as a species, is to preserve ourselves and fix our mark on this world. The clockworkers have everything we had, except for one thing. Sentience the consciousness to appreciate the great work of new Eridani, the faculties of pleasure and pain, those qualities we call life. 
treat the clock workers with respect. They are highly advanced artificial intelligences and deserve to function with the dignity and freedom of ordinary citizens. But be aware, traveller, that you are unique on New Eridani. You are the only witness to what remains of our civilization, and you are most welcome to stay here under the supervision of the clockworkers for the rest of your days. This is just mental. And I'm the first traveler to stop here? Yes. I don't know whether to celebrate this place or mourn it. All those people wiped out, but at least they were able to preserve something. This artwork is spectacular. Especially that one. I'm not sure what it's supposed to be. That painting is a Neo-Dravelian emulation of the Quelegra Isles. The gradient is supposed to reflect the dynamism of seasonal change. You seem to really understand art. That is because I am the artist, Verity. Wait, what? You painted this? Artistic traditions are nothing more than a set of themes and conventions at the fundamental level. It's the evolution of tradition that us clockworkers struggle with. The original creative impetus. But some new Eridanians theorize that every art form is, to some extent, imitative. If their philosophy is to be believed, there is hope for the artistic ambitions of the Clockwork Republic yet. But what's the plan? The ultimate goal? You want people here, right? As you yourself remarked, New Eridani is still something of a monument. But with a resurgence of sentient life forms, it might one day become a utopia. Or the opposite. That would depend on the inhabitants, and of course, on the leadership. But you have something of the Old Republic about you, Verity. If not its leaders, certainly its philosophers. As my ancestors suggested, you are welcome to stay. Thank you very much for the offer, but I don't know what I want to do yet. Though there is one thing that needs doing. Have you got any open spaces? The creature is untrained. I wasn't his owner. I just didn't want to be his murderer. We will soon tame him. Thank you. I just need to head back inside my ship. I promise I'm not going to fly off and leave you, but there's someone I need to talk to. About the future. I can't stay, I know that. But I wish I could show you this place, Dr. Vaughn. It's beautiful. As a scientist, I think you'd love it. It sounds like I would. But, like I said, I'm not staying. Tomorrow I'll take off again, start heading back home. And then what? Well, I'll, I'll head to the middle, I guess. No point stopping off in the outer circles, going back to work. I need to reach the top. I need to make people aware. Why not the first world? What? Well, I'm just saying, if you want to reach the top, why not go straight to the first world? Bypass the middle. They're all as much puppets of the government and corporations as you were. It seemed like a bad plan. Well, I suppose I could. And how are you going to get your message out there? I'll sell my story. Good plan. Did you have a particular journalist in mind, or even a particular outlet? The stewards own half the news networks, and it'll be a conflict of interest for them to publish your story. What are you trying to say? I'm saying, Verity, that you haven't got a clue what you're doing. You've got a lot of strong feelings, and absolutely no practical idea of what you're going to do with them. You're flying blind. Thanks. Which makes me want to ask, why do you have to leave this planet tomorrow? The world is beautiful. You said so yourself. It's a monument to an entire civilization, and they're offering you access to everything they were. An entire political history to learn from. If you want to make a difference in the Knox galaxy, I'll be behind you the whole way. But why not take some time to prepare? Huh. Now you put it like that. You were denied the education I had. And the leaders on the First World know that. They'll use it against you. Make it look like you haven't got a clue what you're talking about. But if you learn some political theory here, some strategy, some philosophy, you could take them by surprise. Beat them at their own game. You could win. Ah, Verity. 
I've made a decision. I'm staying, if you'll have me. A wise decision. Where would you like to start? And so I stayed in the clockwork republic of New Eridani, enjoying for the first time in my life the privilege of learning. It was difficult at first. Political theory isn't known for its accessibility, and after less than a day of research, I learned far more than I needed to about its target audience. But I've never let elitism stop me before, and I wasn't going to here. So I kept reading. I read about the rises and falls of empires, the victories of great men and women, the lost hopes and shattered dreams of civilizations trampled by the wheel of progress, the beloved heroes of generations and the forgotten ones lost in footnotes. I learned about the wise men and their great theories formulated in their golden, gleaming palaces, and I learned about the revolutionaries who superseded them, the workers and the servants with dreams and narratives of their own. I traversed their artistic landscape, listened to their poetry, read their literature. Is everything okay, Verity? <laughs> it's stupid. Uh, it's really stupid. I shouldn't be crying, but... We didn't have books on Adasha. The only stories I had were the ones I created for myself in the experience machine. I've, I've never... I've never read a happy ending before. Does it bring you sadness? It brings me happiness. But also longing. And anger. That is why you are here. What do you mean? The books bring us knowledge. Knowledge is a great thing, but... I think their secrets are accessible only to beings like you, Verity. Sentient beings, you mean? That depends. Does sentience imply empathy? Given the way I was treated most of my life, I can only guess not. Over time, I started to share my story, too. Eventually, the tale of Verity Weaver, told in the first person, found its place into the history and culture of New Eridani. Was it my place? I don't know. But I knew that when I left, someone else would eventually find this place, and that could go one of two ways for the Clockwork Republic. Perhaps hearing the tale of the last traveler and her peaceful coexistence with the clockworkers might shift progress in the right direction. I hope so. And I wasn't entirely alone. I kept communications open with Helen every day. For every book I read about New Eridani, she'd devote her spare time to researching her university's business partners in the Knox Galaxy. The stewards, the same people who made the experience machines, who owned the mines, who owned me. And Jude Hamlin. She'd tell me everything she found, which wasn't much, but was better than nothing. And she'd ask me if I was okay. That was always nice. Days passed by, then weeks, and months, and before I knew it, years. One year, two years. When the third passed by, Adasha was starting to feel like a distant memory. Someone else's life, even. That was why I realized that I had to go. And that was also when I figured out how I was going to win. The people of New Eridani had this theory. It goes a bit like this. Imagine you could forget all the things that make you who you are. Your life experiences, your background, your social and economic status, your race, species, gender, sexual orientation, talents, aspirations, fears. If that were possible, then the only fair way to design the political framework of a civilization would be for everyone to willfully forget. Because every privilege we have over others is an unfair bargaining position. The wealthy man picks the policy that brings him more wealth, but sometimes the fairest one is that which demands he redistribute his wealth to others. Yes, I've heard the theory. Every sufficiently advanced liberal civilization has come up with something like it. It's philosophically useless because no one actually can forget those things. Ah, but that's the thing. One civilization can. Mine. What? That's what the experience machine is for. It doesn't just place you as you are in a new environment. It changes the relevant details of your life that you weren't happy with. In my case, I got to imagine that I was richer, happier, freer. But someone else might even imagine they've been born in a different body or to a different family or even been a different species. It's technically possible to lay down in the gloop and simulate life as a butterfly as long as the stewards store the extracted memories of butterflies somewhere in their archives. Anyway, my point is that we, they alter memories all the time. The situation I just described is possible with their help. And you think they'd agree to it? Yes, I do. If we made it big, made it public, if we backed the businessmen and politicians into a corner, claimed that the experiment was a test of their fairness, yes, I think they'd have to. 
for the sake of their public image. Then all we'd have to do is watch them debate amongst themselves and agree that the only fair society is one that guarantees a basic bare minimum of human rights. You'd make them admit that they designed an unfair society. Then they'd have no choice but to change it, or at least do something. Look, I know it's nuts, but it's a start at least. Verity, I think it's brilliant. I think we could make this work, but... What? We don't have to. You've got a better idea? No, I mean... You don't have to do this. You could stay here a bit longer. You could stay here forever. The rest of your life, even if you wanted. You love this planet, I can tell. It's a bit lonely. You could invite others. Are you trying to talk me out of leaving? Dr. Vaughn? No. No, I am. Look, when you've left this planet and you pass the point of no return, you're, um, you're going to be faced with a choice. And believe me when I tell you, it's a choice that no one should have to make. Ever. It's the reason no one's been near the Nox Galaxy in all the time you've been on New Eridani. What are you talking about? That's just the point. I can't tell you. I can't tell you what that choice involves until you've left. Because I know it would only make you more determined to go. God, I don't know. I... Maybe I'm making the wrong choice myself here, but I don't think anyone deserves to know what lies ahead of them. It's... it's... that. You're not making any sense. Then just listen to this much. If you choose to leave New Eridani, you'll have to make a choice that will destroy you, one way or another. You'll have the opportunity to do everything you set out to do. But between the Devil and the Deep Blue Sea, there's going to be a price to pay. You're not obliged to put yourself through that. No one is. Not for anything. That's why I'm asking if you want to stay. Then, given everything you've just told me, I think you already know my answer. I'm rather afraid I do. One last sunset. Must you leave us so soon? I've been here for three years. But how many years will you be gone? How long will it be before living eyes gaze upon our city once more? You never know. And like all those people that were lost in the catastrophe, my memory will live on here. All those diaries I left behind. Besides, I'm the one who should be worrying now. Dr. Vaughn said I had a choice to make. I think she's keeping it from me in the hope that the fear of the unknown will be enough to deter me. Problem is, she forgets who I am, what I do, who I used to imagine I was. I used to propel myself toward the unknown. Although, this time... You are afraid? Yeah, I guess I am. Then why? Why what? Why leave? You were blameless in the subjugation of the outer circles by your own account. You personally owe nothing to your people. It's not about what I owe. Then you could spend your remaining years guiltless. But that's exactly it. What years? They took my years. They took my childhood, my teens, half my adulthood. They took the most precious days of my life. They just took them and consumed them and didn't even say thank you. And all they gave me in return was 30 minutes every night where I had the privilege of pretending to be someone else. And for all those fucking years, I thanked them for it. Any chance I ever had of a life is gone. But they, whoever the hell they are, the government, the stewards, Hamlin, whoever's running the damn operation, will just keep on taking. And mark my words, they won't be the ones making the sacrifices. I am doing this to save my people, not because I owe them, but because no one else will. And I'm doing it for a second reason. I'm doing it so I can find the person at the very top and look them in the eye. And then what? Then the moment they look away, I'll... <laughs> look at me, sitting here making empty promises. I've got no idea what's ahead. I just know it's going to get worse before it gets better. Hello, you. You'll look after the clockworkers when I'm gone, won't you? I know you will, good boy. The sun has set. Is it time? Yeah. It's time. Goodbye, Verity Weaver. 
Goodbye. And thank you. One last goodbye. One last takeoff. I watch for a day as the planet shrinks to the size of a pinprick and think of everything I'm leaving behind. And then I think of what's to come, the sacrifices Dr. Vaughn warned me about, the ones she didn't. And at last, there it is, another pinprick on the horizon, but this time growing in size, looming, almost consuming the space around it. The Knox Galaxy, one long night away. What's that cluster of planets I'm approaching? We're still away off the borders. I've never seen those before. I don't actually know their name. I don't think anyone does. S small, independent, self-sufficient worlds that don't really belong to any particular jurisdiction. But they see every ship that enters and leaves the Knox Galaxy. I think they know what goes on, what your people go through in the outer circles. They're just witnesses, really. It's all they can be. Wait, what's that? What is it? I haven't got a visual link to the windows. All the planets, they're lighting up. Millions of lights going on one by one, like someone's just flicked a switch. Oh. What is it? That's not one person flicking a switch. That's every person on all those worlds, Verity. They've seen you. They know where you're headed and what's to come. They're wishing you luck. You're approaching the border. In a few minutes, you'll enter dead space. The transmissions will cut out then, and you'll be on your own for no more than a few minutes. Then you reach the borders. I guess it's about time you told me what this choice is, then. I've given you a wide enough window that you can still turn the ship around if you want to. I want you to know that. I wouldn't think any less of you if- Just tell me, please. Once you're through dead space, you'll come up against border control. The Knox Galaxy's borders extend around the entire galaxy, almost. There's a small region called the Stellar Exclusion Zone, which is completely unregulated. You could alter your trajectory now and head straight into there, or you could stay on course and tackle the borders. Border control works through chance surveillance. The trackers only operate 50% of the time, but here's your problem. No one has any way of telling when they are or aren't in operation. Since you left the Knox Galaxy, they've stopped letting any unauthorized vessels through the borders. If you attempt to pass through while the borders are in operation, you'll be incinerated. Shit. Now that's 50% of the time. The other 50% of the time, you'll be fine. You'll pass through unnoticed, and you can cruise on toward the first world without so much as a scratch. It's the toss of a coin. And the other option? If you choose to alter your trajectory and pass through the stellar exclusion zone, you'll be safe from the borders. But the reason they don't bother with the borders there is because no one in their right mind would go near that area. A few decades ago, one of the thermostations went into meltdown. Everything within an 800-mile radius of the wreckage is contaminated with Ritasol radiation. What's Ritasol radiation? Nasty. Not just dangerous, but aggressive. It can pass through pretty much any material, no matter how dense, and causes irreparable damage to the human nervous system. At best, you'll spend the rest of your life coping with a range of thoroughly unpleasant neurological symptoms with a significantly lower life expectancy than you'd wish for. At worst, it will kill you outright. But it won't affect the ship or its systems, meaning... I can broadcast a message, beyond the grave if necessary. Exactly. You must have known this would be a suicide mission. We prepared those video messages together, remember? They're all stored on the ship. Including the one you wouldn't let me watch. Yes. Those are for the eventuality that your ship arrives on the first world without its pilot. It'll still be broadcasting to everyone in the galaxy. The plan will still go ahead as normal. I just might not live to see it. So that's my choice, is it? 
pass through the borders and rely on luck, or pass through the stellar exclusion zone and pay the price for certainty. The possibility of death versus the guarantee of suffering. How the hell am I supposed to choose between those two options? There's a third option. You turn around and forget you ever had to make this choice. Not gonna happen. What would you do? I can't advise you. And I'm not asking you to. I just want to know. I'd turn around and go home. I really don't think you would. I wish I was the person you see me as. What do you think she'd have done? Fable, I mean. <laughs> she'd have faced those borders fearlessly. 50-50 odds were usually good enough for her. The risk was part of the thrill. But this isn't about thrill, is it? This is about what will make a difference. And that's just the problem. This isn't a problem I can project Fable into because this isn't an adventure she'd have had. This isn't a journey she'd have made. And if she had, she wouldn't have shared my priorities. There's no chance I'd leave the exclusion zone unscathed. None at all. Right. I'm so sorry. Right. Dr. Vaughn. I think it's about time we drop the formalities, don't you? Just call me Helen. It's a bit late for that now. Helen, how long have I got until I enter dead space? A little under a minute. Then the signal cuts out. I hope this isn't goodbye, for what it's worth. If I succeed, dead or alive, I'll make sure they let off-world signals in so you can get a message to the first world and they can respond. I want you to know whether this worked. I wish we could have known each other better. So do I. I hope I choose right. I hope you do too. But I know you will. I'm just sorry you have to do this alone. So am I. The signal's fading now. Goodbye, Verity. Good night, Helen. Entering dead space. You'll do this for me, won't you, computer? If you make it through this and I don't, You'll transmit the message across the Nox galaxy, like we said. Of course, Verity. Then I know what I need to do. It's time, computer. Change trajectory. We're going into the Stellar Exclusion Zone. Warning. Entering the Stellar Exclusion Zone will cause irreparable damage to any organic matter. I know. But I've had enough time to think about this already. I'm going back into the Nox galaxy, and whatever way you look at it, there's only one way of guaranteeing that. To get back, I have to extinguish myself. And maybe I'll get the full dose. Maybe we'll transmit the message, and all that will be left is a ghost of a ship sailing into oblivion. But if all that lives on of Verity Weaver is the name, then I'm okay with that. If some miner with dreams of starlight hears my voice at the right moment, then my story can become theirs. That's the best legacy anyone could hope for. And all things considered, that's the best lesson Fable Ashwood ever taught me. Entering the Stellar Exclusion Zone in T-10. Nine. Eight. I'm scared, seven, Fable. Six. I'm so, so scared five, of what's about to happen to me. Four. Three. <laughs> two. May the afterlife be pleasurable. One. Entering Exclusion Zone. Ah. Uh oh. Uh -oh. All those years you've taken from me already, I have the rest. Take them all, because they're the last you're getting from anyone. Leaving the exclusion zone, entering the Nox galaxy. Verity Weaver, Please indicate your consciousness. Verity Weaver, please indicate your consciousness. Verity, please indicate your consciousness. Switching to autopilot. Message transmitting.
Today, in the middle, we have arranged for a short burst of showers in the early morning. Then towards the afternoon, the sun's on the... People of the Knox Galaxy, this is a recorded message. Your leaders claim that you live in a fair society, and I, a miner from the outer circles, have returned to put them to the test. I propose an experiment in which your leaders consent to a temporary memory wipe. Attention! You have been summoned and placed within a state-approved justice selection device. By the end of the session, you must agree on a conception of justice. You will be designing a world which you are then to occupy. Each of you is intimately involved in this world and unable to leave it. The ramifications of your choice will affect you. So what you're saying is this. If we'll start with the same liberties, the same rights and the same opportunities, then provided those rights were respected, the system would keep working, staying just and fair. Have you made your decision? Yes. Do we get to find out who we are? Why we agreed to this? Eventually. But the events leading to your arrival in this room are convoluted and difficult. And the story isn't about any of you. It's about a woman called Verity Weaver. A woman who made a choice and a sacrifice. This is her story, and it's time someone told it. Breaking news. The results of the justice selection device have yielded controversial results, as the leaders of the first world appear to have agreed to a set of social institutions, ensuring more basic rights and liberties than those they currently offer. Pressure from dissenting citizens across the middle and backbench representatives looks likely to end in a snap election. The president insists that she will stand for office once more. The justice selection device taught me a great deal about myself and the society I have shepherded into a new age of prosperity. I intend to take those lessons on board as I design a newer, fairer manifesto that reflects the will of the people. But who else will be standing? And could the Knox Galaxy soon see the end of austerity? Reports from all the official sources are suggesting that Verity's message got through. It worked. And she wouldn't have done it without you. But what about Verity? You know how sparse the news is. There's a chance... Just say it. There is a chance, Dr. Vaughan. There's always a chance, but there will also come a time when you'll have to... Have to what? Let go. All the straw polls suggested you'd secure another term in office. We didn't... Yes, but with all due respect, it's not the straw polls that matter, is it? It's the exit polls. And this new candidate you mentioned has somehow managed to win the hearts and minds of the entire outer circle in less than a week. The outer circles don't normally even vote. Clearly, they're usually unhappy with the options they're given. Or too dim to understand the nuances. Take your pick. So, go on then. Who is this mysterious outsider that's after my job? Well, Madam President, that's a rather delicate matter. You have got to be joking. I'm paralyzed from the waist down and running for office in the hope that signing my own death warrant might just have been worthwhile. I'm not sure there's a punchline at the end of that. They told me I might walk again. My body will start healing soon and will progressively heal for... Well, no one's quite sure. Hopefully a long time. Then one day it will stop healing, and whatever I'm left with then, I'll be stuck with forever. You do realize the instability this will cause. And not even an apology. Unbelievable. You did this. I did nothing. You flew off and left your planet. You forfeited your own rights to safety and security. I pity you, but don't expect me to apologize. Safety and security. You really know nothing about the mines, do you? I don't own them. I just maintain the standards. If you had a problem, you should have taken it up with the stewards. Oh, I think it's about time someone else had problems. Shall we? Why not? 
Someone wheel her into the hall, please. The votes have been counted, with 35% shared by the main opposition party and other independents. The vast majority of votes were shared between the President's own Free Liberty Party and last-minute independent Verity Weaver and the Cosmic Justice Party, which means this just in, a result unlike any in Knox's history. Against all predictions, Verity Weaver has beaten all other candidates with a majority of 47%. No! We welcome the new President of the Galaxy, Verity Weaver. Next time on Verity Weaver. The stewards run everything. This government is a symbol of leadership and nothing more. That's the end of the world. I've got a funny feeling you're going to find out very soon. But in the end, we're just so small. Verity Weaver was played by Elena Van Arendonk. Dr. Helen Vaughn was played by Cassandra Schomer. Ship Computer by Lane Ferrier. President by Aurora Adams. Al by Chris Harris-Beachy. Clockworkers by Jack David. Newsreader by Nikki Marinovic. Eridanian by Margaret Sutherland. Senior Politician by Daniel Warren. Third Representative by Joral Paul. And Dr. Baxendale by Robbie Fox. The Veil of Ignorance was written by Nina Sarkozy. The head writer was David McCormick. Composers, David McCormick and Pat Delia. Assistant Casting Director, Andrew Davis. Producers, David Holdsworth and Nina Sarkozy. Theme music by Seeming. The Veil of Ignorance is based on a thought experiment by John Rawls in his famous 1971 work, A Theory of Justice.